Up World. Pass first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. We're less than a week away from the NBA draft, and the Locked On Podcast Network has a full first round mock draft with every single pick. Your boy played the part of the Portland Trailblazers, wheeling and dealing, making a selection. You can check that out by listening to the Locked On podcast every day leading up to the draft to hear projections of each pick and expert analysis from Chad Ford, The Athletic's John Hollinger, Sports Illustrated's Jeremy Wu. Check the feed to catch up on the past shows and don't miss a pick. Subscribe to Locked On NBA Today wherever you get your podcasts. That's right, it's draft season. And today's episode, we're diving deep on another NBA draft prospect. This is our sixth draft profile leading up to the November 18th draft, so check your feeds if you missed the earlier episodes. The Blazers have the 16th and the 46th picks in the draft. For now, we're just going to focus on first-round draft picks. We'll do that in our typical manner with three organized segments. Here's how we're going to approach it. First, we'll get the basic profile answering the question, who is this guy? Then, in the second segment, we'll review strengths and weaknesses as defined by the Internet's foremost draft experts. And finally, we'll talk about fit, where the guy lands in recent mock drafts, and how he could help the Blazers. The pick is in. Let's go to the podium. With the 16th pick in the NBA draft, the Portland Trailblazers select RJ Hampton, New Zealand Breakers. Let's take a closer look at the resume. Hampton is a 6'5", 190-pound guard, sporting a 6'7 wingspan who decided to forego making someone else money in college basketball to make his own money in the National Basketball League in Australia and New Zealand. I believe the region formerly known as Oceania, but I don't think we call it that anymore. But yeah, the basketball league that's in Australia and New Zealand is where RJ Hampton played. He went there as a then 18-year-old. Average 8.8 points, 3.9 boards, 2.4 assists in 20.6 minutes across 15 games, shooting 40% from the floor, 29.5% from three, and 67.9% from the free throw line. If you've listened to these draft profiles before, you know that I've confessed that I don't really watch college basketball, but I definitely, I for damn sure do not watch the National Basketball League that I believe was in in the United States was mostly streaming on Facebook. I don't even have a Facebook account, y'all. I've seen RJ Hampton on YouTube, though. But what I do have access to is Basketball Reference, an invaluable resource, shout out to Basketball Reference, who has given me his stats. Hampton scored in double figures six times in his 15 games in the NBL. If you're scoring at home, that means he had nine games in which he did not Reach double digits in scoring. Here's those six bangers, though. 14 and 7 at Melbourne, 18 points on 6 of 9 shooting against Carnes, 6 and 7 at home against Melbourne. You don't want, Melbourne does not want to see RJ. He's going to give him buckets. 15 in Adelaide, 12 against Mello Ball in the Illawarra Hawks, and then 15 at Phoenix. That game was on December 6th, and Hampton hurt his hip and basically cost him a month of the season, and he just disappeared off. He was like this high profile draft target playing abroad everyone's excited he gets hurt misses a month and just he's just off the radar completely came back and played two more games to close out the NBL season and scored in uh single digits just really quiet kind of out with a whimper uh to end his pro career abroad but he was already 
like as long as we're reviewing the resume, let's turn back the clock a little bit further. He was already on the radar well before he decided to go pro in Australia. In fact, that's probably or in New Zealand, Oceania. Y'all know the region. But he was like he was I, he was someone who was even on my radar as a high school athlete, which uh, means that he was a very high profile high school athlete. He was a, he was a monster in high school. He was the Texas Gatorade Player of the Year as a junior, and then he reclassified. So he's you know the best player in the state, reclassifies and finishes up his senior season in three weeks on the internet. Decides that he's going to go to college, except that in 2019 when he's about to do this. Uh, some emails resurfaced where an agent was going to, was offering him some money in 2017. Those turn up in 2019. Hampton decides, I'm not going to college. I'm not going to go to Memphis or Texas Tech. I believe Memphis was almost certainly where he was going to end up. And he says, cool, I'm going to go pro. I'm going overseas. There's something to be said for a teenager who can go and play professionally at that age, you know, a lot of a lot of dudes who who go in reverse, like from Europe, will play professional and then come to the United States. But Americans who leave the country to go play professionally, Brandon Jennings, Emmanuel Moutier, uh, Lamella Ball in this year's draft. There's something to be said for that sort of level of maturity and the level of the quality of play you play against. Uh, on the whole, you are going to play against much better teams than you're going to play in college basketball. Maybe don't play against the like singular elite talents, but you're playing against pros. It's just, it's a higher level of basketball. It's more challenging and you don't get pampered like you do in college basketball. It is, there is something to be said for that experience. But Audrey Hampton's wasn't super experienced there. It wasn't super shiny. It wasn't very good as his stats indicate. Averaged, you know, eight, three and three. Played 20 minutes a night. So, why is he a first-round pick still? That's what I want to talk about in the second segment. He's got some strengths and some obvious weaknesses that make him an intriguing option, but also make him probably likely to be in the Blazers' range in the middle of the first round. I will. I have read plentiful scouting reports. I've watched the YouTube videos. I, I've never seen RJ Hampton miss a shot in these YouTube videos yet, but I've, I've watched a bunch of them. I'm, I'm going to aggregate all the best scouting reports from the people who really know what they're talking about in the second segment. I've read it, so you don't have to. Join me there. But before we, before you join me there, let me tell you about Bill Bar. You know Bill Bar. It's the best p- tasting protein bar ever. That's it. That's the trick. They got a delicious protein bar. 18 amazing flavors. All of them are covered in 100% chocolate. Soft and easy to chew. Got that candy bar-like texture. They're not dry and chalky like the protein bars you may be familiar with. Instead, this is just a delicious-tasting protein bar. And to top that off, it's also a wonderful option for the health-conscious among us. Low-calorie, low-sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, and every single flavor. Sounds pretty good, right? Go to BuiltBar.com and use that promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right. So we talked about RJ Hampton's resume. 15 games in the NBL. Ain't a lot to build off of. But luckily there are people who get paid to scout NBA prospects. So someone like me who's just out here on YouTube doesn't have to lie about what I think. I can, you know, I can form an opinion. I'm capable of that, but I can't give you a measured, valuable scouting report. But luckily there are folks like Kevin O'Connor at The Ringer, Sam Vecini at The Athletic, who wrote a wonderful detailed scouting report on RJ Hampton. And 
Mike Schmitz and Jonathan Giovoni at ESPN, Kevin Pelton at ESPN, give him a shout out too, who, who have, you know, watched these guys a bunch, plug them into their, to their algorithms and, and have informed opinions, much more informed opinions than I do. But I want to bring those informed opinions to you, not just disparage myself, show you that I'm a good researcher and a valuable asset because I can find out what you need to know and give it to you right here in your earbuds. Or if you're not an earbud person, maybe your car radio. However you are consuming this fine audio content, here's what you need to know about R.J. Hampton. I'm leaning heavily, heavily, heavily on a detailed scouting report from Sam Vecini here. He he killed it, knocked it out of the park. It's good journalism meets detailed scouting. It's what you want to know if you want to learn more about a draft. So, you know, find his article on The Athletic, and if you don't subscribe, think about doing so so you can keep good journalists doing good work. As Vecini and others note, the absolute best strength of R.J. Hampton is that he is a really, really good athlete. A super fluid athlete at six foot five, is creative and fast enough to get past people with the dribble, and has the size to make that a problem. Can play either guard spot and really might be one of the most athletic creators in this entire draft class. He's got, he's, he just could end up being a high-level scorer. He profiles as someone who could be a high-level scorer because there just aren't people his size with his fluidity and his athleticism, his burst. But as Vicini notes, Hampton's swing skill is the jumper. And since he left high school and since he even left the NBL, you know, he's been back here since March and... We're now talking six, seven months where he's been back in the United States and able to work on his game in preparation specifically for the draft. He's been working with former NBA player and former Memphis coach. Remember, he was he was basically headed to Memphis before he ended up going overseas. He's been working with Mike Miller and a trainer named Tyler Ralph, and he's totally remade his his shot. Um, he's this is this is the difference, right? Like he's this really good, really long athlete. He's he's you know, it probably has the the just sort of requisite skills to play point guard or just sort of like scoring creative guard, you know, guy who dribbles across the floor but maybe doesn't pass guard in the league. Uh, and But the question is, can he, can he do the other, th- can he shoot in order to open up the rest of his game? And according to Vecini, he's working really hard to totally rebuild his shot. And he's, at, he's transformed his shooting form from his elbow to his feet, his, particularly his balance with his base, with his feet. He's transformed that look. And he's just totally, he just looks very, very much different than he did uh, prior, to, prior to leaving the United States and in the NBL, right? So his, his strengths are this athleticism and his weakness is this, Maybe his inability to shoot. And in addition, he's just he's just largely raw. He really struggled against pro level offenses. He wasn't strong enough to play um, against prof- you know true professionals in in the NBL. So those are going to be his weaknesses. And what and what determines sort of where he lands, where his ceiling might otherwise be, is this jump shot. And Vicini is convinced that he's worked on it enough that it might be a skill, and he's willing to bet on him as as a high level, perhaps a high level NBA player or at least a high-level scorer in the, in the league. He might never be a lockdown defender. He might be a, a term that no one uses, but they should. If they're going to say two-way, he's a one-way guy. He goes one way. And, 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 but even if, you're, if, 
if he is a one-way guy, he has the the physical profile, the physical tools to become a, an elite one-way guy. Think Jamal Crawford, right? But that's the question. Can he develop enough of a jump shot that he isn't Dante Exum? Because Dante Exum is 6'6 and long and and really a really fluid athlete who can... Uh, you know, get to the rim and get past people and was really, really exciting in these in these brief moments. And for me, for scouting Dante Exum back in the day, right, in my YouTube style that I do, I'm like, dude, I love this guy. He's so fun and long and athletic, but he can't shoot. So in the NBA, Dante Exum's easy to guard. You just, you just hang back on him and say, good luck. And that's the question with Hampton. Can he avoid being Dante Exum and turn into Jamal Crawford? Obviously, there are a lot of places below Dante Exum where dudes don't stick in the league. And a lot of um, guys who don't end up playing 20 years in the NBA like Jamal Crawford, there's a lot of disparate paths in between there. But I think those are two uh, sort of interesting ideas to think of where he could end up in terms of his strengths and weaknesses. That's the profile. That's what scouts think of him, particularly Vecini's uh, detailed, wonderful scouting report on The Athletic. What I want to do to close out the show is talk about is this a realistic option for the Blazers? Where does RJ Hampton land in the most recent mock drafts? And what is the case for why the Blazers would draft him with the 16th overall pick? So that's what we'll do to close out the show. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listening to Locked on Blazers. And we're still talking about RJ Hampton in the latest of our NBA prospect draft prospect profiles. If you missed any of these, there's more waiting for you for them in your feed. They're clearly labeled. We've done five others. So if, if this is your first one you're jumping on board with and you want to catch up before the draft, just check your podcast feed. Wherever you're already listening to this, there's others waiting for you. We talked about in the first segment, Hampton's resume. What he did in his post-high school career, how he ended up abroad and in New Zealand. And then the second segment, we talked about strengths and weaknesses. Just this is a really good athlete who is probably just an profiles as just a scorer, even at his peak, but being just a scorer is a skill in the league. And whether he reaches that peak, whether he reaches that real value as, as a, a six, five offensive creator, every team in the league is looking for someone like that is whether he can shoot. So what I want to do to close out the show here in the final segment is talk about where Hampton lands in mock drafts. Uh, is he a realistic fit for the Blazers? That's sort of what you have to ask first is, is he going to be on the board or is he going to be in the Blazers draft range to consider whether he's a player that they might end up drafting, right? So the ringer has him at 14, ESPN, 16. The Athletic, Hollinger has him at 16 and Vecini has him at 12. CBS Sports has him at 17 and Jeremy Wu of ESPN has has Hampton 18th overall on his big board. For what it's worth, Vecini has Hampton in the top 10 on his big board. He thinks he's one of the best, 10 best players in the draft. But he might not be one of the top 10 picks because of the he's he is as as John Hollinger wrote in the Athletic, a raw a lump of raw clay. The dude has he is a long way away from being an NBA contributor. He he doesn't profile as someone who's going to step in and be a big part of year one, but he might, you know, he's still young. He might, he's still, he's not yet 20. He's, he, he may end up being a very valuable player, but you might have to wait, you know, two and three seasons 
the Blazers have been very comfortable doing that. And that is basically the case for the for Portland drafting Hampton, right? Is that he fits the profile of what they like to do. In a lot of ways, he's not totally Anthony Simons, but he is he is certainly that mold, right? A five-star or very high-level recruit. You know, Simons was gonna go to was gonna go to Louisville, gonna, you know, play at a really big time college the same way that Hampton was gonna end up very likely at Memphis. And then for whatever reason it doesn't work out, they, you know, they play a a non-college basketball season and then they head to the league with very, just very little tape of them playing. Hampton played 15 games. That is a pretty small sample size when you're t- when you're talking about drafting someone, you know, spending draft capital, as they say, on someone in the first round. It's he is a in in some ways an unknown, but the Blazers are comfortable with saying this guy has the physical tools, and we think we can put him in our player development incubator. And two years later, when we pop him out, he'll be an NBA rotation player. They've been successful doing that in the past. They kind of rushed the the exact plan with Simons. So I think in some ways, maybe Simons year three will prove whether the Blazers um, system is still sort of on on track, right? But it's it's worked with other guys. I've mentioned it a million times, but Alan Crabb, Jake Lehman, Pat Connaughton, people who, who spent two years waiting and watching, and then when they got a big minute role in year three, were NBA rotation guys. Not stars, but but from, you know, fringy types to, hey, this dude can play in the league and we'll get another contract and we'll keep going and et cetera, et cetera. So the case for taking RJ Hampton is that he has a skill set that might be very valuable in the league and that the Blazers are not afraid to take that type of player. They're not afraid to take someone who say, hey, you know, he's he's going to take a second, but if you if if he does hit, if he does develop into what his peak could be, man, could he be good. The Blazers believe that the best way for their franchise as it currently sits to get a star is to draft one. Now, I don't know if I agree with that, but I know that, that is the front office's thinking. They don't think that they participate in uh, free agency to get stars, which is just factually true. Shout out to Carmelo Anthony, though. Uh, he they don't they don't believe that they can acquire star through trading necessarily, but that is the other avenue of it's it's trades or free agency or excuse me trades or the draft, and that the, and that as currently constructed, it's it's fairly difficult for them to trade for a, a star, like capital S star. So the way to do it is through the draft process. And if RJ Hampton is someone who might, who you have to swing big for and you have to take a risk on, that is what Neil Olshay does. It's who he is. It's not who Mike Richmond would take, but if the the case to be made for RJ Hampton is that the Blazers believe in their own process of player development and that they believe what other scouts have seen is that he has real skills, real athleticism, real just high-level scorer-type skills. And if you could unlock them, then you've got the type of player that everyone in the league is looking for. A 6'5 ball handler who can get to the rim and score at a variety of different ways, that's what you want. If he doesn't really develop as a playmaker or much more, it doesn't matter. Scoring is the most valuable skill in the league. And the case for drafting R.J. Hampton is that maybe you're finding the type of player that every team is looking for, and he's on your roster for four years while he develops into whatever's next for him. The case against him is obvious. Players don't pan out. They don't reach their potential. How many guys hit the you know sort of their full ceiling? How many guys bust through that? 
The Blazers don't have reason to be patient and develop a guy for three and four years down the road because Damian Lillard doesn't need help at 34. He needs help at 30. But I'm not making the case for why not. I'm making the case for why. This guy might pop. And the Blazers have a penchant for taking the this guy might pop type of player. You remember a 19-year-old didn't start on his collegiate basketball team, Zach Collins? Do you remember 19-year-old didn't play college basketball, Anthony Simons? Do you remember 19-year-old didn't start in his college basketball team, Nazir Little? Neil's got a type. Don't be surprised if he pursues that again. We're less than a week away from the NBA draft. We'll have couple more of these profiles leading up to it. Like I've said a couple times now, if you've missed other ones of the, if this, if this is the first one you've listened to, there are five more waiting in your podcast feed. Go back and listen to them. Get caught up. When the draft comes around on November 18th, you'll know who you like and dislike. You'll have, you know, a quality resume, strengths and weaknesses, and the case for why the Blazers should draft them for seven, eight different players. Be a draft expert. Let Locked On Blazers give you the goods. And tell your friends about the goods. Tell them they can find this podcast wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Lockdown Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.